Another day of no hockey, another Saturday recording of Entend. Episode 25, the boys are still here in this difficult time. Today actually would have been the last regular season game of the season, but obviously it isn't anymore, we're all sad it isn't. Also, if you read the title heading into this episode, we have a very special guest on back-to-back weeks, former Leafs defenseman and current Belleville Senators Frank Corrado. We're all excited to get a chance to interview another NHL player, so that'll be coming up in a couple minutes. But first, I want to discuss something with you two, uh, Flags and Joe, about a disgusting incident that happened yesterday to Rangers D prospect Keander Miller while on a call. Absolutely embarrassing on that anonymous typer, whoever typed those vulgar words. Uh, what are your thoughts on this this incident that happened? Well, it was terrible. It was disgusting, like you just said. Um, for those that don't know what happened, um, I'll kind of run through it quickly. Uh, basically, Condre Miller was on, I believe it was the New York Rangers. Like It was like a live stream that they had going on Instagram, I think it was. Or I don't actually remember the platform that they were using, but it was some sort of live stream. And in the comments, there were people uh, just being super racist to him, uh, dropping some words that shouldn't have been used and, and other racial slurs. So it was kind of a terrible incident. You hate to see that happen. And I, I feel bad for him. I, my apologies go out to him. Yeah, it was such a terrible situation. Um, like it's during all this like pandemic stuff, you would think like people would be more united and, and stuff like just trying to survive as a society right now and just get through this. But then you have idiots like this saying vulgar, racist words. And just to a, a kid, he's a kid. He's not an NHL player yet. He played at Wisconsin last season. And he hasn't even broken to the league. And then he's already getting this type of racial treatment. Like, I thought we were already past this with the whole situations that happened, like, last November and stuff like that. And you would think that the hockey community would be past this already, but I guess not. And it's just such a stupid thing to see happen to a young kid like that. Yeah, yeah not even not even the hockey community as a whole. Like, you think the whole world would be past this whole, like, racist incident thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's terrible. It's kind of crazy that we're in 2020 and stuff like this is still happening. Yeah, 2020 was already off to a bad start. And, you know, obviously this kind of creeps in again, this racism thing that should be thrown away into the garbage pile because like it's just a bunch of garbage been said on online of any, any player that or any person that's on online and social media just getting abused with racism is just not even right anymore like whatever color or race you are it's just not acceptable anymore but obviously a terrible thing to happen to Keandre Miller and I, I like he was like he was trying to stay as positive as he, as he could on the call and it's just tough when you see that word keep popping up in that chat thing so yeah, yeah you, you could tell that he yeah. saw the comments popping up, like arising as he was speaking. Just terrible. And what happened with Akeem Alou already at the beginning of the year, Joe kind yeah. of me- me- mentioned that. And yeah, it just keeps coming and it's disgusting, but shouldn't be in the game anymore. But unfortunately, it still is. And we have those idiots who still do that. So yeah, well, well I wanted to get it away soon, but I don't know if it ever is. So yeah, that's terrible news. And also at 12 o'clock today, uh, this, obviously, the podcast will be released later on today after 12 o'clock. We're going to have Frank Corrado on, but there's also uh, something else going on. President Donald Trump is uh, interviewing, not interviewing, having a conference call with all the major commissioners of the major sports. So that includes NHL, NBA, MLB, MLS even too. Um, so yeah, we'll, I guess, after the Frank Corrado uh, interview, we could chime in and see what happened. Maybe it's canceled, maybe it's not, but right now we don't know because it's happening at 12, so... 
we should get some notice about what's going to happen throughout the regular season through every sport. So we should have since, that later on. Since we're on this topic, Joe, before we started recording, you had a really good suggestion for what the well for what the NBA and NHL could do because their seasons are in the midst of their seasons right now and they can't. It looks like they can't finish if they want to have a proper offseason. So mention what you suggested. Yeah, so what I was thinking, this just came to me today. So if they really want to finish the season, because obviously teams like Tampa Bay, for example, gave up a couple first-round picks to win the Cup this year. And if they want to continue the season, like playing the rest of the regular season playoffs, like normal two months or whatever it is, then what you can do is say you start July or August or whatever, finish the season, and then the next season, so the 2020-2021 season, have a like a lockout kind of season where you only play half the games. You start like Jan- like uh, mid-January and then just play until June, like how they did during the 2013 lockout. This could apply both to the NBA and NHL. I don't know what the MLB is going to do. They might just play half a season this season in 2020. But that's just my uh, suggestion if they were to finish this season with regular season games and playoffs. Yeah, I really like that idea. Uh, remember that article that I wrote about a playoff format that the league could run that is both efficient, could make time for an off season, and would be fair for all teams? That's kind of irrelevant right now because from what it looks like, I don't think we're going to be seeing professional sports being played again until probably early July and even that I think would be early yeah so I don't even think like that format that I suggested originally it's not Mm -hmm. even it couldn't even work Mm -hmm. anymore well it sucks we're gonna find out very soon and we'll let you know what happens on in there but uh for now we're gonna have the interview with Frank Corrado so I guess uh intro him uh Flager we can intro him now before we start today's interview today's episode of End to End is brought to you by the Breakdown Sports Podcast Network. From the court to the gridiron, from the ballpark to the ice, and everywhere in between, the Breakdown has you covered. With our newest editions of Off the Ball, a basketball podcast hosted by Chris LeBron, and Mooseheads at Home, a sports gambling podcast hosted by Tommy Teaser and Greasy Kyle, the network is deeper and better than ever. Other shows include Campus to Campus for your college football needs, end-to-end for all your hockey talk, and gap-to-gap for everything that happens between the chalk of the baseball field. Listen to them all and tell them we sent you. Available on all major platforms, like, review, and subscribe today. And be sure to follow us at the underscore breakdown, that's spelled at the underscore B-R-K-D-W-N, for all your podcast wants and needs today. Today on End to End, we have another special guest. He spent almost his entire junior career playing for the Sudbury Wolves of the Ontario Hockey League. After getting drafted in the fifth round of the 2011 NHL entry draft by the Vancouver Canucks, he made his professional hockey debut with the Chicago Wolves of the American Hockey League at the end of the 2011-2012 season. The following season, in his last junior hockey year, he captained the Sudbury Wolves for the majority of the 2012-2013 season, before getting traded to the Kitchener Rangers. After junior hockey, he went on to play for many National Hockey League and American League Hockey Associations, including the Vancouver Canucks and Utica Comets, Toronto Maple Leafs and Toronto Marlies, and the Pittsburgh Penguins and Wilkes-Barre slash Scranton Penguins. He is currently with the Belleville Senators of the American Hockey League. 
He grew up in the Woodbridge Vaughan area, which is probably the most Italian suburb of the greater Toronto area that I have ever been to, and his name definitely reflects that. Ladies and gentlemen, end to end, would like to welcome special guest, Mr. Frankie Carrado. First off, Frank, before uh, we kick things off, happy birthday. I know it was uh, just over a week ago now, and thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. It's, uh, it's nice, to, uh, nice to be on with you guys, and it was a great way to spend my birthday uh, indoors and uh, with no one around. <laughs> are you uh, are you back home for this little yeah. break? Yeah. Yeah. All so right. uh, once things got uh, closed down, uh, we kind of got word that we could go home, and so uh, I came home uh, to be with my fiance in Toronto. It's better than it's better than staying uh, by yourself, um, you know, in times like this. Right. Yeah. For sure. Well. I hope you enjoyed your lonely birthday, but uh, it kind of sucks that happened this this last week. So, uh, first off, also I want to say thanks for the follow on Instagram. Really appreciate that one, Frankie. Yeah, no problem. So we'll kick things off. So obviously you're Italian, and me and Joe, one of the co-hosts here, is obviously uh, Italian as well. And I've got to assume you're a, you have a massive Italian family, correct? Yeah, it's interesting. We have a lot of uh, a lot of close family friends, and uh, but both my parents are actually only only children. Um, so it made for a little bit of a different, uh, Italian background than, than most people with, you know, a lot of people have, you know, dozens of cousins and, yeah. um, you know, we're lucky to be surrounded by a lot of, uh, people we consider family, but, um, you know, they're, they're, they're really close friends. Okay. I have to ask this one question for sure, because it's something I've been pondering as we've been home for a few weeks now. What's your favorite Italian dish or dessert? So my favorite Italian dish, I would probably say is, I mean, it's gotta be pasta or pizza related, but I would probably go with like penne alla vodka. Okay, I mean, that, nice. that usually hits the spot for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you, have you been eating a lot of your favorite dishes during the quarantine break, though? Um, so the first couple days, I definitely let myself uh, have a few meals that I probably wouldn't have had uh, during the season or or during uh, you know intense training times and. I think I kind of got it out of the way now, so I'm I'm, I'm back on track. Uh, you know, eating a little uh, uh, a little healthier now. Yeah, you kind of cheat me once in a while, and you're now home for a few weeks. So, um, and then there's one more question, follow up question to this. I have: What's the most overrated Italian dish you've ever had? Oh, that's a good one. There's a few. I have one. Mine. What's yours? Lasagna. Yeah, yeah, lasagna is one of those ones. A lot, like some people love it, some people hate it. There's like there's a lot of gray area there. <laughs> um, lasagna. I like. I, it, the thing is, if if like Nonna's making it, there's oh. no bad one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> you, yeah, and even if there was, you can't tell her. You know? No. It's not true. <laughs> um, I don't know. Let me think about that. Maybe I'll I'll have an answer for you later in the podcast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We'll wait on that one. Uh, so, yeah, we'll start with some pre-NHL questions here. So, we'll get right into your junior career. The 2012-13 season was extremely busy for you. First, you captained the Sudbury Wolves, got traded to Kitchener, were called up to the Chicago Wolves, and then called upon to the Vancouver Canucks and played three games for them. That was obviously a very busy season for you. Did you find it difficult to adapt to each league you went into? Um, no, I don't know. That, that season was, was a great year, and I, I felt like that was, that was just a year where I was just in a state of flow, and everything was just happening, and I wasn't thinking about things too much. And um, You know, our team, I was lucky to be surrounded by a lot of great guys in Sudbury and Kitchener, and, you know, everyone made it a pretty smooth transition um, moving up to Chicago, and obviously getting the call to Vancouver was, 
really unexpected and and everyone was great um very welcoming and um made me feel like like a part of you know a part of the room right away especially uh as a young kid so um it you know it was it was weird it was just one of those years where you just kind of you you know you were just doing what you could do basically like controlling things that were in your control and everything was just falling into place and and things were just happening and mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about things and um it was it was really fun to be honest with you it was just it was almost like a ride like you just sit back and enjoy and um that's kind of how I felt about that season what was that first training camp experience like with the Vancouver Canucks I heard your your bench press went very well yeah, that was not good. <laughs> yeah. No, so they had they had they had two hundred pounds on the bar, and I don't think I was. I I think I had maybe bench pressed in the summer. I think I highest the highest I got was maybe one sixty five. So I knew there was no chance I was even, I was even going to get it off the bar. And I told the two guys that were that were holding, I go, listen, like you're going to need to do a lot of work here just to get this off the bar. <laughs> and uh, so we 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 unracked it together. They let it go. My hands started shaking, and uh, I let it come down to there's like a, a board on your chest, probably six inches um, off your chest, and I let it come down to the board, and I looked at one of the guys. I go, yeah, that, that's it, boys. Like, <laughs> we got to bring this thing back up. So um, the other, I mean, the other tests were better, like the bike test and the jump and all that stuff. It's just I was 18 years old, and I was always a little more of a slender kid, and as much as you worked out, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like you're not, you're not the, the, the 26, 27 year old. You see, you know, those guys, they come and they, you know, they, they do 10 to 15 reps at 200 pounds. <laughs> you know, that, that wasn't <laughs> happening for me back then, but that was a, it was a really fun training camp. Um, it was the year after they had just gone to the finals. Right. So yeah. there was a ton of buzz. There was a ton of buzz around the team and the, and the city and everyone was still coming down from that. And, um, I think a lot of the, the key veteran players were still there at that time. So you could see how the the group kind of meshed and, and, and came together. And um, it was cool. It was really cool to see. And I think um, I want to say that, like, they had a way of doing things there that was unique to them at the time. It was like when you got in there, you got in the system, you were kind of briefed as to, this is how the Canucks are doing things. You know, we don't care how team A or team B is doing things. Like we're doing things this way here and this is how we're going to win. And it was, it was cool. It was, um, I think it was ahead of its time, obviously with, with that regime and, and, and the players that they had there. And it's too bad that they, you know, they, they, they couldn't win because um, the things that they were doing there were were way ahead of, of mm-hmm. where the league was at at the time. So my question for you, as a local Toronto boy, obviously uh, you were drafted to the Canucks. What were your feelings on getting drafted to a team that's located across the country? Yeah, I mean, I was just happy to get drafted anywhere. Uh, I don't think we were, we were certainly hoping that I could get drafted, but we weren't expecting anything. Um, I, I had just kind of snuck on to the um the the nhl rankings on on the very last one and i think i got um i think i was placed at 155 and i remember like talking to my agent and he was saying you know it's it's a good spot to be on that list because um it shows that you've put yourself on the list rather than someone who maybe started higher and fell um down the list so it shows the right kind of growth and the right kind of improvement 
Um, and I only, like, I didn't go to the combine and I think I interviewed with about 10 teams, you know, out of 30. So, you know, that means there's 20 that didn't, didn't interview you. Um, so we were kind of thinking, well, it's one of 10 teams. So you just need one of those 10 to, to like you. And, um, we were like, we were ecstatic about it. Um, it was one of those things where we were kind of heading into it thinking like, you know, you got to almost expect the worst or, or, and hope for the best. And, and regardless the work, you know, the work doesn't stop at that point. It's, it's just, um, you know, it's just, it's just another uh, checkpoint on your journey. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good point that it's better to go like to get drafted late and then work your way up and improve yourself than to get drafted high and then kind of fall and, like, like some players definitely do deteriorate uh, quicker than expected. Um, obviously, you grew up in the greater Toronto area. Uh, we mentioned that already. Uh, were the Leafs ever your favorite team growing up or perhaps a team that you watched closely? Yeah, for sure. I was a big Leafs fan growing up. Like, I loved Matt Sundin. He was my favorite player. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it was, you know, I, I, was, I, I, I was a huge fan. I was going to school every day, like, you know, playing street hockey with the guys and you always, um, you know, you're always talking about the Leafs at school and then talking about the Leafs with, you know, your hockey team or your, your, your mates at school. So it was, um, and in the early two thousands, they had a lot of really good teams. Um, you know, kind of when I was first getting into hockey and, um, so that was, that was cool to see. And, and you, and there was a lot of buzz around that when they were winning, uh, you know, playoff series back then. Um, and a lot of great players played for the Leafs, so it made it, um, it. There was there was an attachment there for sure. Who was one player or players that you always kind of watched closely and and tried to model your game after? I wouldn't say there was one specifically that I tried to model myself after. I knew, like playing minor hockey, that there was probably with the way that the the, the game was going, there was going to be more of a demand for players who could move the puck and skate well. And I think my my dad. Um, really kind of nailed home to me that we should always put an emphasis and a focus on skating. And so whenever we did extra, extra work, it was always on skating. And there was other times where, you know, you know, there's other time where you can work on your hands and and that kind of um, skill work, but uh, the skating was uh, paramount. It was first and foremost, and that's where we kind of put most of our effort. Yeah. Now kind of shifting things to the pro hockey level, it took you a while to get the first NHL tally, but eventually you got it against the Calgary Flames, and I believe the last game of the 13-14 season. Uh, how big was that moment for you when you finally got that big monkey off your back? Yeah, it was good, and, and um, obviously I was called up a, a bunch that year and, and got to play um, got to play in, in 15 games that year, and um, it was a bit of an off year for the team, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, they missed the playoffs, and um, I mean... It was weird because I was getting chances. I hit a crossbar and I was getting, as the season, as, as I played more games, I was getting more ice time. And um, it was, it was frustrating to not have any point production, um, especially the assists. Like I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around why I wasn't getting any assists. And, you know, as, as much as you're, um, you know, a defenseman, um, you still want to contribute. Um, and the points, you know, they, they still make you feel good at the end of the day. Um, and to finally get that goal in the last game was, uh, was a nice feeling. Um, and I remember having, um, some family, like my dad was there, um, in, in the stands and, and that was really cool, uh, for him to see that. And, 
um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a big relief to finally get it. Uh, now, Frank, you, you kind of had a rough time, uh, a few seasons ago, you tore your ACL in January of 2018, I believe it was. And it took you, was it nine months to recover and get clearance to play again? Yeah. Yeah. In ACL, I mean, when they, when you, when you have that, they'll tell you six to nine months, but, um, any doctor is going to highly, highly recommend you to not come back at six months. And, um, anyone who has your best interests in mind is going to tell you, you know, um, nine months, maybe eight and a half, eight, but, but nine months is, is usually the standard for that. What kind of things were you doing on and off the ice to kind of like recover from, from that injury of that, of that degree? That's a serious, very serious injury. Yeah, I, I had no idea um, that ACLs were were that big. And when I found out that it was going to be nine months, I was devastated. Um, and I just thought to myself, like, how do you, like, where do you even go from here? And um, so we had the surgery. And, I mean, from the surgery, you basically just learn how to walk again. Um, so it went from learning how to walk again to doing some movement to get some range of motion back because it's just so stiff and doesn't want to move anymore. Um, and then from there it moves to, um, you know, some light strengthening a little more movement. And this whole time you just have to be so careful because the, the graft, you know, the new ACL that's in there, it's so fresh and, um, you know, it's basically held together by sutures until the, I don't know if the sutures is the right word, but it is basically held together in your knee. Um, and until the collagen kind of builds up around it, you have to be super careful with it. Um, and you, but you have to stress it. It's a fine balance between stressing it enough that you um, can grow it and build it and build the strength and, and being careful that you don't do anything to damage it or, or stretch it out. So, um, you know, from, from that, then it turns into, you know, strengthening a little more with weights and then moving a little more and then you just keep ramping it up aggressively. You know, you, you get a little more aggressive as, as you progress. And, um, I think I started, um, running or, you know, some light jogging at like the five month mark, I want to say. And then, so you progress there and then around the six, seventh month mark, I, I was on the ice a little bit and then ramping that up. And then, by the nine month mark, I was, um, on the ice obviously, and I still wear the brace. Um, and you know, so you're on the ice, you're doing some track work, you're doing your jumps, you're doing more explosive stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think one thing I kind of skipped over there is like, uh, a lot of balance stuff, a lot of balance with your eyes closed, uh, building proprioception. Um, that was a big one. Um, because obviously you, you have to, your brain has to send signals to that knee. And it's a little delayed compared to your other side because it's it's a new you know it's a new it's almost like it's a new body part in you. So the the the, the signals have to have to keep going from the brain to the knee. So that was it was it was long and it was intense and it was it took a lot out of me for sure. Uh, now when you eventually got back on the ice, I think wasn't your agent actually doing on ice drills with you as you were trying to rehab and recover from that injury? So I was, um, I was skating at a rink near his house and my agent's great, Joe Resnick. I've been with him since I was 15 years old. Um, 
And he uh, he just checks in every once in a while. He checked in to see what I was, you know, how I was doing, where I was skating, all that stuff. And uh, I told him I was on the ice where I was, and he showed up. He got in touch with my skating coach, and he showed up one morning and said, "Hey, I'm coming for a skate with you." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I thought that was I thought that was pretty funny, and uh, I just thought that was a great gesture, um, you know, like just to come out and hang out and see how I was doing. And obviously when you go through an injury, you can feel very alone because you're not with teammates or anyone else. And um, I wasn't under contract with anyone. So it's not like I could, um, you know, be with teammates or anything like that. So um, it meant a lot. It meant a lot. And it showed how much he cares um, about me and and um, and how he how much he cares about all his players if he's willing to do that um, you know just to come out and hang out and and and, and see how you're doing. Yeah, that's sure really that. special. You don't you don't really see that very often, if at all. To be honest, that's that's no. really neat. No, it's going above the call of duty for me, in my opinion. Yeah, and then just kind of talking things about the mental side. How did you think you did throughout that process of that nine months? That's got to be tough, right? Yeah, it is. It is tough, and there's there's some good days and there's some bad days, um, and you just want to feel your you want to feel like you have a purpose still, and you want to feel like you're uh, fulfilling something. And there's some days where you don't feel that because you're not, you know, you can kind of get caught up in where other people are and what other yeah. people are doing, and and you have to remind yourself, well, you know, this is your situation, and you can only control so much. And I got into it, you know, I. I you know, I got into reading a little bit and, um, meditation was, was something that was, uh, yeah, I still do it. And, um, you know, that with that, with the headspace app, you know, just 10 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that's helped me a lot. And, you know, even just talking to someone every once in a while, like, uh, you know, it's, I think any, everyone can benefit from, you know, some sort of, you know, professional help. And, um, yeah, so there was, you know, there were some tough days for sure. I'm not going to lie, but, um, and especially thinking about where, you know, the hardest thing for me is, you know, when I first started professionally, you, you kind of see where your career can go mm-hmm. and then to see it get derailed so many times with things that are out of your control, it, it, um, it hurts, you know, it, it's tough. So, um, but you just have to do your best to focus on the things you can control. And, um, that's, that's what I, still try to do to this day yeah it's something unimaginable for the three of us here i i can't imagine nine months of just thinking about what's going on and yeah you got through it but uh there's a subject i kind of want to get to that maybe you don't like to discuss anymore uh it's your time with the maple leafs and in my opinion because there's two fleet fans here there's me and andrew on here and then the other one and joe's a habs fan so but in my opinion and i'm sure as yours as well during that 2016-17 season with the Maple Leafs, I would say you were unfairly treated when you only uh, played two games on their NHL roster. And I felt like 100% sure you deserved more time to adapt. But the bench boss at the time didn't agree. And I just wanted to know if that stuck with you for a while. And also, would you say it increased your motivation to work even harder at that point and in the future? Yeah, it was tough because I thought the 15-16 the season... And I thought I showed some good flashes. And I thought I had some inconsistencies. And I think... Um, I think a lot of players or, or, or defensemen especially need some time to learn the league and learn the ins and outs and learn what it takes to play four games a week every other night mm-hmm. or play back-to-backs with travel. And, you know, at the, at the, at the age of 22, 23, 
you're not in your prime yet. You need you need to learn the league. And you hear so many, you know, commentators or analysts or people in hockey, you hear them say that all, all the time on the broadcast, you know. Oh, he's a young defenseman and, you know, he's learning the league and, and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. so I thought, I thought, you know, given the inconsistencies um, of that, that season where I played 39 games, I, I thought that, you know, if I had a great summer and I came in, to 16, 17, and, and had a really good training camp um, that maybe I could put myself in the conversation to to play some more games. And I was pretty determined. And, you know, I put on I put on 10 pounds. I had a really good summer. I had a really good training camp, I thought. Um, you know, I scored a, a goal my first game. I had a, another game in Buffalo with three assists. And um, uh, I just, I, I thought I did, I you know, and I talk about things you can control. I thought I did everything I could that was in my control. And um, I ended up getting to play a game in November, which was great. I played against Pittsburgh, and I played 16 minutes. And, um, you know, we didn't win the game, which which obviously never bodes well for you. But I thought it was a good game, and a a lot of other people did too. Um, And as the season went on and I wasn't playing, it's hard because you want to stay engaged and you want to stay with it. But – you're not in the battle with the guys. You're not um, you're not as engaged as you would be if you're maybe playing at least once a week or every other week or getting a couple games in a row. And um, you know you just you have to find ways to to push yourself in the gym or in the bag mm-hmm. skates. But at that point, it was I think I think it was best for everyone if if I just um, kind of moved on and you know, going to play with the Marlies helped me because I was able to get some ice time. and 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 feel like i was just a part of something you know like Mm -hmm. um and i mean of course it's i don't i I don't think i've I've ever had motivation issues i don't think um you know the fact that i didn't play motivated me more per se because i feel like i was i'm the kind of guy that i'm always trying to give it all i got and Mm -hmm. um i don't think i don't think i I don't think I have an extra gear, you know. I think I'm always trying to push at the top of my potential. Um, so it was it was a tough year. It was it was frustrating for sure, especially because I had put a lot of work in in the summer, and um, I thought things got off to a good start in training camp. And um, but like I said, it's it's just one of those things you can't control it. Um, obviously, there were um, other things at play there, and um, that's. You know, that's that's kind of way that story went for me. Yeah, also during that season, there was a lot of fans on social media, specifically Twitter, that would that started the free Corrado campaign. Like, what were your thoughts on that, that you saw, like, fans, like Toronto Maple Leaf fans kind of vouching for you to play? Yeah, it was, it was I'd get, like, honestly, I'd get, like, a little chuckle out of it. Um, obviously, it's not the attention you want. I would prefer to have, you know, the attention be because I played – a good game tonight or scored a goal or, or even if I played a bad game, it just meant that I was playing a game, you know, you kind of, mm-hmm. kind of preferred that kind of attention as opposed to, um, you know, people kind of, it was nice. Don't get me wrong. It was, it was nice to know that, uh, there were people out there that, um, were kind of pushing, I guess, pushing <laughs> to see me play, whether it was a joke or not. I mean, you, you can never tell. Um, but, I would get a little bit of a, a little bit of a chuckle out of it. I guess it was, um, it was 
I mean, I would like to take it that it was support and not, um, you know, not like mocking me or, or making fun of me. But, um, you know, that's how I feel about it. I felt like you deserve to play many more games than just two games. He did it with Hall. I know what we're talking we're talking about Mike Babcock. But I, it's like he did it with Hall last year. And I was just like, man, like these guys, these defensemen deserve a lot more time than they should have. But for me, I, 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 I felt like you deserve more time. I got to back up my Italian players, you know? So Yeah, well, actually, I think, I think like, I, I, I played with Justin with the Marlies, too, and yeah. I thought he did a great job handling it. And um, I think you're seeing that, given the opportunity, um, you know, coming back for that second season, and then given the opportunity, um, you know, he made the most of it. And... Um, I'm happy. I'm happy he did that because you know it, it shows that you know maybe you know the 11 games in a season is obviously not enough. And um, you know when you have a good summer and you come back and you know you have something to prove, um, he obviously made the best of that. And yeah. um, he's worked his way up. You know he's worked his way up the ranks, and he deserves to be uh, where he is right now. Uh, back to that free Corrado thing that Joe was talking about or asking you about, um, it's kind of interesting that it's not too often that you see the Toronto Maple Leafs fan base kind of being on a player, like um, being on the player side of things. Cause usually the Toronto fan base is very critical, but, um, I just, I kind of found that whole situation kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've, I mean, growing up in Toronto, I, I see what you're saying about um, there can be times where fans kind of get on players or, or um, can speak, you know, kind of negatively, negatively about players. And I don't know, maybe maybe some people just uh, – I, I couldn't explain why. I, I wouldn't know the answer as to why people um, maybe felt some kind of attachment. Um, but it's, nice. it's a nice feeling. Uh, I got to say – uh, you know, it's, it's nice to know that there were people that um, that thought I, I could or should be playing, and um, you know, who knows the the real answer because you know we obviously never got to see it. Uh, yeah, but um, it's nice. It's 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 flattering. And also during the sixteen seventeen season, you played. You were part of the Penguins organization and played two games for them during that season. Although you weren't on the playoff roster when they won the cup in 17, did you receive a ring? No. So I got hurt in the first game of the playoffs with Wilkes-Barre. So I was dealing with an injury and I was, I, I was in Pittsburgh dealing with it. So, um, no, I didn't receive a ring. Um, but we were, you know, like the black aces, we were all there and I was kind of, um, healing up or, or doing some rehab on an injury during that time. So, um, we were all around for that, and it was uh, it was really cool to see. There was a just a what a great team that was, and and uh, what a run they had, and um, there was a, a lot of buzz in that city uh, about that team, and um, it was uh, it was cool. It was cool to see. For sure, and yeah, I guess we'll shift things. That's pretty much it from the pro hockey level. We have uh, we'll shift kind of things to the off ice questions, and you know, you played with a lot of teams. You had a lot of teammates. Who was the funniest teammate you ever had? And can you share a story if it is PG? <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few. I've had a few funny teammates. Um, I've, I'm playing with a guy this year who makes me laugh every day. Um, Drake Batherson. Oh yeah. He's, yeah. He's uh, he's he, you know he's a maritimer, and um, he's just you know just his sense of humor and and the way he talks. There's nothing specifically. It's just the way he kind of 
comes into the rink anymore every morning and starts talking to to the guys and and kind of you know the stuff he says in the in the breakfast room or or, or whatever. But uh, he uh, he gets he gets a rise out of me every day. He's, he's pretty funny. People from out east are they're a character. I find them pretty funny as well. That's yeah, that's funny. It's just a different way of life, and a it's a funny sense of humor. And yeah, uh, yeah, it it gets me every, every day. I laugh. <laughs> Can you do you have any uh, stories that you could share about him that that specifically st- stick out to you? Uh, I, I I mean, the the one that sticks out to me is is the uh, I don't know if I, I should be telling this, but I'll just <laughs> the um, he uh, I I guess was on Elite Prospects or Hockey DB and saw a player uh, Bobby Schmott, and uh, he loved the uh, the Hockey DB like the page I guess like he he, he thought it was. I don't know if he thought it was funny or, or, or what, but he ended up saying like, boys, you got to call me schmatzy now. Like I want to be schmatzy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now he's, he's, he's schmatzy. And I didn't know, like I, I got there and, uh, and I was calling him, you know, Drake or Bather and, uh, and everyone's calling him schmatzy. And I, I was like, why, why is this guy's nickname schmatzy? And, uh, <laughs> And one of the guys told me told me this, and I couldn't. I started laughing. I couldn't believe it. So, he's, yeah, boys, I'm sh- I'm schmatzy. So, like, <laughs> so, anyways, it was it was pretty funny. I just I googled his hockey DB right now, Bobby Schmatz. <laughs> it's I can see why he got a kick out of it. Uh, what's the funniest like out of all your years playing? What's the funniest story that sticks out with you from like any level? I got one story, and I have never told it before, and I won't use names. But that's perfect is, for us. This yeah. is a fantastic story. <laughs> All right. And actually, I was talking to my dad the other day, and he goes, "He goes, hey, do you remember when?" And then he he told me about it, and I I was like, I completely forgot about it. It was amazing. So, we were on the uh, the father's trip with the Canucks, the Vancouver Canucks, and um, and I was I wasn't playing. I was hurt. There was another player. He wasn't. Hurt. He was. He wasn't playing. He was hurt as well, and we were um, in the 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 box where where all the fathers were and, and stuff. And so my dad and his dad were kind of sitting on the couches because you know uh, me and the other guy weren't playing. So um, they kind of let all the other dads have the seats, you know, watching watching the ice, right? And the uh, the food was stationed right under the television. Um, where they were watching the game, mm-hmm. and there was a uh, there was there was a, a guy getting food, kind of standing in front of the TV, kind of blocking the the view of the TV, right? <laughs> and the other father, he looked at the guy and he kind of said to him, like he, he looked at my dad first, and he goes, Do "You believe this? Like you believe this guy? Like he's 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 blocking the TV, right?" And my dad, you know, kind of didn't say anything, right? And I'll tell you why in a sec. My dad didn't say anything, right? And so the the, the the father looks at the guy and he goes, excuse me, can you get out of the way? We're trying to watch the game. And the, the guy who was standing there um, blocking the TV, grabbing the food, was the owner of the team. <laughs> and and he, turns to, he turns to my dad. My, my dad just... He like buries his head. He can't believe it. <laughs> the guy who's paying for this whole shindig is just trying to grab some food here, and he's telling, he goes, "Guy, get out of the way." 
<laughs> you know? That's so priceless. I thought, I, it just, it, we were just talking about it the other day, so it's fresh in my mind. So I think that that's a pretty good one. <laughs> so did your, did your dad know that that was a team owner before oh, yeah. uh, the other dad said something? Yeah, my dad knew it was, but like they're in close vicinity. Like my dad, it, it happened quick. He didn't even really have time to to explain it to him. Like <laughs> it, it went from like you believe this guy to like, hey, buddy, you mind getting out of the way? <laughs> <laughs> the that's owner great. of the team. Yeah, that's pretty. That's funny. a good story. I like that. Yeah. Um, Josh Levo was a player that you you spent a lot of your hockey career with. You played. I think almost your entire junior career with him and in the OHL and Sudbury, and then you got traded together to Kitchener. Uh, you yeah. both, you even played in the 14 Canada and the Canadian hockey uh, league, Canada versus Russia series back in 2012. Uh, so you were around each other a lot in the OHL. Um, and then after junior, you guys separated for a few years, but then eventually you reunited and in Toronto, uh, you guys played with the Marlies together. Uh, so not only have you played for a number of years together, but Levo is also from Innisville, Ontario, which is just north of you, about an hour north of you, I would say. Um, and he's also an Italian Gino, just like you. <laughs> so uh, would you say that Levo and yourself kind of formed a close relationship over the years, or how yeah. how is your relationship with him? No, we're tight. We're uh, we're tight. We're we're best buds. He um, we actually lived together in junior as well, so we spent a lot of time together. And um, he's he's become one of my best friends. He's going to be in my wedding party. He's he's not he's not my best man, but he's in the wedding party. That's awesome. Um, and he's actually not Italian. He is of uh, Finnish background. Levo is really is, um, yeah. Levo is a Finnish. Um, I believe it's Finnish. I know he's got some Finnish and some Caribbean. And, um, so he's not Italian, but I like, really, Italian. like he's honorary Italian. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause so he, he hangs out like in the summer, he used to hang out at, at my, uh, my parents' house a lot. So he just kind of got the honorary tag. Um, <laughs> so he's, yeah, he's, he, we're, we're really good buddies. Uh, we talk, we talk every week, um, FaceTime, all that stuff. And, um, you know, in the summers we'll, we'll spend a still, you know, even, you know, life kind of gets busier, but we, we still find time to spend some time together in the summer, whether it's golf or barbecue or, um, even just, just hanging out, um, grabbing a bite to eat. So he's, uh, I would say Josh is probably, you know, out of all the, the guys I've played with in my career, he's, he's probably the person that I've, I've spent the most time with. And, and he's probably the person that I have the strongest relationship with, um, uh, friendship wise. So, um, definitely someone who's, uh, you know, he's, he's a good buddy and he's, uh, mm -hmm. I would say he's an, uh, important person in my life. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I always thought he was Italian, man. Uh, you kind of burst my bubble there. Yeah. Well, he's honorary. He hangs out in Woodbridge, comes over, <laughs> you know, he's been, in, he's been to my nonna's house, stuff like that. So he's, he's in, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, just the last name. It's kind of like the Maltese people you see, like you're Italian, you live like a rock throw away from Italy. It's okay. You just pop over yeah. in the water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, okay. I need to ask you something. Cause like some of my buddies for playoff pools do like, so there's a rule we have, um, and we always pick like one Italian guy who's in the playoffs. Is there any other Italian people that I don't know that like have no Italian last name, but they are Italian um, that you know of? Like I, I yeah, there there probably is. I just can't think of it off the top of my head. But um, I think there is. There's there's more guys. There's there's a few more than you think who I think they're 
um, on their mom's side, they're probably Italian, um, yeah. but the last name doesn't reflect that. Uh, I would say um, there's there's probably a couple more than you than you would think. Because there's like the Petrangelos, the Giordanos, Luongo, you know, those are obviously Italian. But yeah, I was yeah. just, because for the playoff pool, we always do one Italian. That's a rule. Yeah, that's a good rule. I like that. Okay, so now going to some, I kind of sound it's kind of some business talk with you. Uh, so you obviously are the chief operating officer of the East Side Elite Hockey League, and the league was established in 2008. E- ESE was expanded a lot since then, and last summer you guys ran a Toronto Elite League for the first time, where you guys created four teams of nearly 50 players featured from the NHL, AHL, Europe, and junior hockey, and college, and university. You were actually managing the Toronto division of the league. How did you get involved with ESE? Yeah. Um, so Steve Alexi and I played together last year on the Marlies and I was hurt and Steve uh, was also hurt and we weren't playing. So we were spending some time together watching the games or at the rink doing rehab and stuff like that. And um, he kind of got to talking about it and he asked if, you know, he's he's been trying to come up to Toronto for a few years now, but he hasn't found the right fit of, of, of you know, who could do it or who would want to do it. And, uh, we had a couple meetings and, um, you know, he asked me if I would want to kind of take it on. And at the time I, uh, I had just enrolled into school as well. I just enrolled in, uh, Athabasca for a business program. So I thought to myself, it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a business opportunity where I don't need to invest anything other than time and effort. Um, so since I'm kind of doing this in school, I might as well, get a little free experience here and, and, uh, and help with the, the expansion to Toronto. So basically uh, what I did was um, kind of went through my contact list, Instagram and Twitter and just, you know, all the guys that I knew and kind of told them that, Hey, we're, you know, we're going to start up this, you know, Steve's been doing it in Michigan. We're going to start, you know, doing it in Toronto now. Um, and if there's any interest in playing and uh, to, to spread the word and uh, we, you know, we got, I would say about 40, 40 guys to maybe 50 who, who played. And, uh, it was, it was, you know, it was, there was some bumps in the road, but, uh, I think most of the guys got the sense of what we were trying to accomplish with it. And, um, and I think they all enjoyed it. Um, and it's, it was, it was fun to see all the guys come together who have maybe played together in the past or knew each other from one way or another in the past. And, uh, come back and kind of rekindle old friendships or old conversations, tell some stories in the room. And um, so it was, um, you know, and obviously this summer there's a lot of uncertainty as to if we're going to be able to do something like that with, with what's going on right now. But um, it was, um, you know, it, it, it seems like we're, we're generating a little more interest from guys who want to play. And one thing I've been trying to do, with the time off now is kind of reach out to um, more local businesses and see if they'd have any interest in, you know, sponsoring or doing some kind of partnership with, with us. And, um, you know, from our point of view, it adds legitimacy to us if we can partner with um, strong local brands who um, can benefit from being affiliated with, with hockey players in, mm-hmm. in some type of way. And so, um, and the more sponsors we can bring in, the more we can, um, we can, we can provide for our players, um, as far as, um, amenities. And, um, so it's, um, 
it's done a great job in Michigan and Steve's done a great job of building it. He's kind of handed me the keys to Toronto and obviously we work together on it, but um, it's, um, you know, it's, I figure if I was going to, you know, take some, some school courses in, in, in the business category and, and someone offered me kind of the keys to a, you know, a, a business where all you have to do is invest some time and effort, then it was, um, it was something that I was interested in and, and something that would be a good idea to, uh, to try and sink my teeth into, um, especially when you have some downtime during the season um, or, or, or in the summer. That's great that you took advantage of that opportunity. Uh, Steven Alexi, he originally started the ESE, um, and I'm pretty sure he was one of the key assets that the Leafs traded you for from the Pittsburgh Penguins a few years ago, wasn't he? So that's yeah, kind of yeah. that's kind of ironic. That's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty funny, and um, it's funny because we actually met when we got traded. I was on my way out. I had went to go pick up my gear at the arena, and he was coming in because they he had to get there really quick because they had a game. Uh, a school day game, an 11 a.m. game that day. So um, I had to go to the rink early. He had to come to the rink early, and we met for a few seconds there. And then he got traded to us from San Diego to the Marlies um, last season, and we we met again. So it was, um, you know, it kind of took off from there. And then now we're we're kind of in touch every every day, every every few days to uh, to talk about the league and and. Um, you know, obviously there's a little uncertainty now, but, um, you know, see how we can build it. I think it's a really great idea, by the way, that you guys are expanding into Toronto now. Um, there's not really any big summer pro leagues that I've ever heard of in the GTA and Southern Ontario, so to speak. Um, but there's a, definitely a lot of great hockey players from the area and a lot of hockey players spend their summers here. Um, how did that Toronto Elite League trial run go? And, and do you think, like, you guys are – is this, like, a certain thing that you guys are going to go through and, and continue in the future? I think it's something we're going to keep trying to build. Um, and it, um, I think the trial went pretty good. There's a few obstacles that we found. Like, the one was uh, location is, is tough because um, it's, it's such a spread-out city. You have people north of the city, east, west, downtown. There's There's just – so to find a, a central location that fit everyone's needs was, was difficult because, so we did it in Etobicoke and it was tough to get some of the guys that were um, living in the Pickering Whitby area or the Burlington area. So that was tough. But then if you go too far East or too far West, then you lose maybe some of the central guys. So we really just tried to pick a central location. And then another thing was the time of day where we're going to play and um, a lot of guys like the earlier afternoon uh, time slot. And obviously that means that rinks are less busy, a little quieter. Guys can kind of come and go as they please. Um, and they're not getting, uh, you know, hounded in and out of the arena. And that's fine for us because we're not really, it, it's for the players. You know what I mean? It's not for me or Steve. It, it's for us to provide a, uh, a safe, fun environment for guys to keep sharp, you know, play some, you know, play some, some kind of loose hockey that isn't as structured and isn't as regimented as you would play during the season. And, you know, during a season, there's so many things that are out of your control. Um, what systems you play, how your ice time is, who you play with. There's so many things. Uh, the list goes on. But with this, um, you can tell us who you want to play with, you know, who you want to be on your team, 
And Steve and I are easy. Like if you, if, if guys come to us and say, Hey, like three o'clock, it doesn't work for us. Can we try, you know, can we try like a, a noon game or a one o'clock game? Like, Hey, we're going to do it for you because it's for you guys. It's for us. It's for, um, you know, we want to, we want to have our own kind of hockey com- sense of hockey community with it. Um, so, you know, obviously like my, my, challenges were location and and um and even just kind of recruiting and getting the word out to guys that like hey like this is something that you know it's, it's going to be fun it's going to be enjoyable uh you get to play with your buddies and um so that's that's just kind of what we have to do now is just kind of keep keep getting the word out and the more guys that play and word of mouth is so, you know, so important. You know, if one guy tells another guy and more guys hear about it, that, you know, it's, it's enjoyable. You have a lot of control over the things involved. And um, so that's what we want. We just want guys to enjoy it. I think that's, that's our goal. And we want, um, we want it to be a safe and fun place for guys to, uh, you know, to have some fun playing hockey because sometimes during a season, you know, there's some there's some days where you know it get, it turns into a grind and it gets hard on you. And uh, this is a good way to to kind of remind everyone that there's you know there's there's the, the still the the fun kind of way you know you grew up playing hockey with your buddies and um, you know where things are a little more loose. Yeah, that's great. Um, I I know you you mentioned that um, this is a league kind of for the players, but you guys also you've raised money for charities as well. I know that um, through your all-star game, I, I believe you have like fans come out obviously and buying tickets and whatnot. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure you guys donate majority of that money to a charity of your choice. Uh, and I think you guys also run golf tournaments as well. Is that correct? Yeah. So Steve has obviously done a good job building it in Michigan and it's not something he did right away, but eventually he got to the point where, um, so he did the games obviously closed doors so no selling tickets to fans you know this is for you guys go play have fun you know we'll get the sponsored jerseys we'll get some partnerships for the players but as far as fans you know it's, it's kind of like it's it's for the players to kind of do stuff but in saying that then what we want to do is have one night where we do an all-star game and where we can kind of give back and and pick some local charities and I don't know if we'll be able to do it in Toronto this season, but at some point we will be doing it in Toronto where, you know, we have, we have a, an, an all-star game, we sell tickets and we raise some money for charity. And um, so Steve's done the golf tournament in Michigan. He does the, 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 the three on three um, all-star night in, uh, in Michigan. And uh, I'm sure you guys saw the, uh, that unreal shootout goal from Antonio Stranges. Yeah. Um, so that was at that was at the ESE All Star Game in uh, in Michigan, and something else we we've also talked about is potentially doing a Michigan versus Toronto game. Uh, That'd be neat. Yeah, and I think there would be some incentive for the Michigan guys to come up to Toronto because you know Toronto in the summer is it's a happening city. There's there's a lot to do, and it's it would be a fun fun trip for those guys. Um, so there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential with it. And um, we want to use it as uh, we want to use it as a platform to do some good as well. Uh, last question, I guess, that we kind of have for you is: you aren't really quite there yet, but have you ever 
wondered what you might do after your professional hockey career? No, I mean, yeah, I, I have for sure. Um, I'm not sure what it would be, um, but uh, yeah, it's something I think about. Um, I, I just started, obviously I have this going on mm-hmm. on the side right now and um, taking some courses, some business courses throughout the Basca. So I'm just trying to get that done, you know, while I'm playing because there is a fair amount of um, downtime, uh, especially yeah. during the week when you're not playing. So uh, I don't know if um, there's, there's obviously, well, hopefully there's some, there's some possible possibilities of, of things I can do. And um, we'll, uh, we'll have to see when, when I get there. I, I want to ask him one more. I want to ask him one more thing. Go for it. Okay. So you were on overdrive a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. Are you a big fan of the show? I w- yeah, I got to admit, like I, I, I listen Overdrive uh, at least a few days a week. Uh, it's great. I love those guys. They, um, you know, they, they have a lot of fun. They're they're engaging. They have great stories. They have great insight uh, as to what's going on, and um, it's fun. It's just uh, it it's it's very enjoyable to to listen and uh, to listen to those guys every day. Yeah. yeah, we we always plug them on our podcast, and everyone in our friend group talks about them, but. When I say Pierre Lebrun's chair, do you know what I mean? Pierre Lebrun's chair? Yeah. No, I don't. Oh, you don't? Okay. Well, there was an incident that happened on Overdrive where apparently he, you know, crapped his undies on the on the show, and yeah, that's been a meme ever since. No, I. I uh, you I, should go I, listen I to it. Have, I must have missed that one, but. That's, uh, <laughs> you gotta listen to it. It's hilarious. That's an unfortunate set of circumstances. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it was bad. <laughs> They keep ripping him on the show every time he comes on as a guest. And yeah, I, I enjoyed the episode you were on when you went to Overdrive. So that was amazing ever, to hear. You ever thought about getting into media like those guys? Uh, I wouldn't even. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it would be a pretty fun thing to do. I wouldn't even know where, where to get started uh, with that. And obviously that's, um, you know, that that's for maybe down the road. But that's... Uh, they they look like they're having a blast doing what they do, and yeah. I'm sure there's you know I'm sure there's some a lot of work behind the scenes that yeah. goes into it, but um, it's uh, it looks like it's uh, a good time. Right, I think that's it, guys. Eh? Yeah, yeah, that wraps everything up. Yeah. yeah, one thing one thing we could say for sure is if you ever do want to get a media career started, you always have a spot here on not necessarily to to like join our threesome as a crew on N10, but you, you're welcome anytime as to come on as a guest whenever you feel like it. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah thanks for coming, Frank. And uh, thanks for the follow once again, Instagram. Really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, thanks for just talking about your hockey career. And, you know, we, uh, we bid you good luck uh, for the rest of your hockey career. So thank you very much for coming on. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks, Frank. Are you looking to team up? with some unique designs featuring your favorite teams, players, sayings, or movie references? Or are you trying to represent the breakdown in your hometown? Well, now you can with some of the coolest, most comfortable gear around, all while supporting local artists with TeePublic. TeePublic is an internet store featuring tons of shirt designs that you can put on different types of t-shirts, hoodies, three-quarter sleeves, or even swag out your dog in in a new dog tee. Use our URL in the description that's the BRKDWN store so that they know that we sent you. All sales benefit the creating artist, and if you use our link, we get a small portion of the profit. That's the link in the description. Check it out today. All right, that was a fabulous interview with Frankie Corrado we had there. Boys, how'd you guys enjoy that? It was great. I, I was not expecting him to uh, like be as great of a guest as he was, to be honest. He exceeded my expectations. 
Yeah, he was a great guest. Same with Mike Weaver, like last week. We got two great guests back-to-back weeks for the end-to-end podcast. So he was a great interview, Frankie Corrado. We thank him again for coming on with us. It was a great interview. I really hope I really hope that we could work wonders for the, the ESE, help out that league a little bit. <laughs> yeah, with our little tidbit there, we're going to send them. That'd be nice. Uh, yeah, two two defensemen we got. So we need to we need to mix in a forward or a goaltender someday. But one yeah, of those, uh, one of those agents didn't like us. No, no I'm just kidding. Anyways, there's uh, there's a chance that we're gonna have more guests coming on in the future. I know. Yes. As of right now, we have another one lined up. Uh, he's an int- he's in a junior hockey player, but he uh, he's doing more than just playing hockey. So that's sure. that'll be interesting as well. Yep, he'll be a good guest. And, uh, yeah, so we said at the top of the episode that we were going to give you an update on what happened at 12 o'clock on the conference call between Donald Trump and the uh, commissioners of every league basically across uh, America. And there was an update, and I'll just read kind of what happened in that interview. So this is from an NFL insider. Today, President Donald J. Trump spoke by telephone with commissioners of major league sports to discuss the all-of-America response to COVID-19. The president recognized the good work being done by, by many teams and players to care for their communities, workforces, and fan bases across the nation. The commissioner thanked President Trump for his national leadership for his interest in the sports industry. President Trump encouraged them to continue to support their fellow Americans during this challenging and rough time. So basically, it was just a thank you to the commissioners of each an individual league and just saying how uh, good of a job they were doing and shutting down the leagues to um, not, not make the virus spread. So. Uh, some other things that came out weren't NHL related just as yet. The insiders have not tweeted what happened, but the NFL and NBA in, uh, insiders have said that just we don't know when we're going to restart. But if there is a possibility that we are going to restart, it's going to be in the round July, August, September range. So NFL is going to be starting on time in August. Uh, NBA is looking for a summer startup. We don't know yet, not yet about hockey, which is what we're here to do. We're here to talk about hockey on N10. So we don't know the update yet, but I'm sure it's going to be the similar to the NBA. So, yeah, we, we're dying for sports to come back, aren't we, guys? For sure. Yep. I, From what it sounds like, it should come back at some point. We don't know when yet, but who who knows what will happen in the future could tell. Mm-hmm. No idea. And to also quickly mention that the OHL draft is actually today, and we didn't really talk about that at the top of the hour, but... Yeah, so young kids are going into the OHL. It's crazy to think that we're so much older than the people that are getting drafted into the O now. And it's just crazy to see them wearing an OHL jersey next year at the size and age they are. It's actually like it's actually like scary how old we're getting. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like yesterday when we had like peers that were getting drafted to the OHL, which is kind of right. it's kind of crazy. But looking back, like it's been it's been a number of years now. Yep. And just to kind of uh, just the top three picks here: Ty Nelson going to the North Bay Battalion, uh, Panofemis going to the Niagara Ice Dogs, and to Sarnia is Max Domestikov. So those are the top three picks in the OHL draft this year. There are many more names and many more faces that have been drafted so far, but we can't name them all. We'd just be here for another hour. So didn't one didn't one of those guys get early uh, like exception status to get drafted to the OHL? Not really, just the first overall pick always gets like drafted or announced a day before just so he can kind of tour the facility and whatnot, but No, but really I'm saying early. like you know how like John Tavares when we got drafted to the OHL, he got no, like, no, no one got yet. I thought I thought one one of them. That was for the that was for the WHL. 
Oh, okay, okay. I forgot his name. What was I'm mistaken then? I, I don't remember, but I know that like he's like he's gonna be the next best thing. Yeah, so yeah, that guy's going to the WHL, but this was the OHL draft, and yeah, it's still going on right now, so it's pretty long draft, fifteen rounds, so yeah, that's pretty much it on N10 today. Any more thoughts you got to add? Not really, no. Just check out our website. There's been I I know it's slow right now, like there's no sports going on, but we've been we've still been pumping out a lot of content. There was a really funny article. Um, I saw that. we I think it's gonna be a series now. It's called the Hollywood Scouting Reports. and basically one of our writers is going through a bunch of Hollywood movies, like famous sports movies and mm-hmm. he's, he's giving an in-depth analysis of uh the like the style of play of the teams that are featured in the movies which is i find that hilarious and he goes he goes into some serious depth it's pretty funny i would i would definitely recommend reading it yeah and then me and joe collaborated on an article picks 15 to 1 of the 2013 nhl redraft so go check that out on the website and via twitter it's always going to be posted or retweeted or liked by me or Joe in the next few days. So that does it on intent, and we will be returning next Saturday. Join us. Woo!